Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's twice weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller, where each week I am privileged to sit in this studio and interview some of the world's most renowned thought leaders, business authors, business titans, people that have done amazing things. They have persevered through remarkable life challenges to bring to you their insights, their lessons, their motivation to continue to have you be a great leader. Perhaps it's as a formal leader inside of your organization or perhaps informally inside your family as well. Franklin Covey is the world's most trusted leadership firm. We're now in our fifth year of what is the world's largest weekly leadership podcast, both audio and video. And today our guest is Zion Clark. You know him as an extreme athlete, as an entrepreneur. He is the author of the book, Work With What You Got. You probably recognize him from his countless television interviews, including The Ellen DeGeneres Show, um, NBC Nightly News. You probably have seen him on America's Got Talent. He's joining us today from a boat off the coast of San Diego. Zion Clark, welcome to On Leadership. What's up, man? How you doing? Well, we're honored to have you here. Zion, uh, we like to interview people from all walks of life, from people that have, like I said in my opening, you know, have had remarkable educational journeys and have written scientific discoveries, and we learn about what those mean in our lives. People that have survived airline crashes, people that have survived being kidnapped and raped and tortured, people that have had celebrity and talk about that, you know, success was not as easy as it looked. And today I'm honored to be interviewing you to talk about your own journey. You are the author of the book, Work With What You Got. I'm going to guess most people recognize you either by the video or by your name as someone that was born without your lower limbs and you have through enormous triumph and perseverance overcome, for a lot of people, unrelatable odds, and have gone on to become a renowned wrestler, elite athlete, motivational speaker. Zion, can you reorient yourself with those who perhaps may not know you yet, your life in the foster care system? Give us a little bit of a recap of your journey, if you would. Yeah, no, so I was born, I went the seven, first 17 years of my life in the foster care system uh, in Ohio. Uh, but, you know, I went through a lot of different abuse, a lot of different struggles, uh, whether I had a roof over my head or not. And uh, my thing is, you know, I'm known now as one of the world's top leading athletes. And with that being said, you know, I'm a professional fighter. I'm a pro track and field athlete. And on top of that, I'm a master. I'm just an all-around master class martial artist. Uh, so with that being said, I have won multiple championships. I've won multiple titles. I've won multiple tournaments. I have set multiple world records and uh, continue to set more and continue to break the limits of human potential. Zion, in your book, there are a couple of very interesting quotes. One of them is, champions are made when no one is watching. And I think this is a common theme amongst the 300 plus people that I've had the privilege of interviewing here, is you usually see someone's seventh book become a bestseller, or their fifth radio program or podcast, or their eighth business. For you, you know, you were born without your lower legs due to a fairly rare disease or, or condition. You made it through a horrifying life in different foster care systems and have triumphed independent about that. I'd love to have your take on this concept of champions are made when no one is watching. Yeah, man, it's uh, when when uh, you're by yourself and you have a goal, 
uh, especially for me as an athlete. Uh, me personally, I was putting in work uh, off seasons and days where, you know, everybody's everybody's resting and days when, you know, that nobody else is going to get up and do the hard job that, you know, you only want to do. That's when you go do it, because that's when you're going to see your results when it comes time for competitions, when you're going to see your results, when it comes time to get actual work done. And so like, I've really like I put I put that mode of thinking, I put that uh, type of lifestyle into everything. You know, even when I might be chilling here on the yacht, I, I'm thinking of ideas and I'm thinking of ways that I can progress and still level up and still push farther than uh, where I'm at right now. You know, so it doesn't stop when I just hit a certain level of success. It, it stops when I'm dead. You know what I mean? So um, my thing is, you know, you got to just work. You got to work your ass off, man. And you got to push past the levels of comfortability and you got to push past the levels of unsure, being unsure and push past the the burden of not thinking that you can complete a task because my thing is everybody, everything is doable. Everything is doable. If it hasn't been done yet, it can be done. And if you're going to do it, might as well work when nobody's watching, whether they're watching or not, put in your, put in the hardest work you can every day. I think it's a great tribute to the fact that there's no such thing as overnight success. I think in modern times, we see these social media influencers, people breaking out overnight with you know, endorsement deals and TikTok revenue, the fact of the matter is for the vast, vast majority of us, it is a series of commitments and recommitments, is it not, to continue to perfect your craft or to build your audience. And the same has happened with you. I mean, Zion, by every effort, the odds were stacked against you, right? You are a, a black man born in a time with enormous racial prejudice and tension against black men, you had no lower limbs, you were raised in the foster care system without a stable family who loved you and invested in you. you. You talk in your book about how the odds were stacked against you, yet you triumphed in spite of all that. Was there perhaps a pivotal moment, an individual who was a transition figure, was there a time in your life you can recall when you decided that you were going to be successful, to live a life you were proud of, to influence others in spite of countless variables stacked against you? Uh, yeah. well, well, sorry, hold on, sorry. My, I was getting a phone call. I'm so it's sorry. okay. Let me ask the question so again. Yeah, you want to ask it again. Yeah, I'm happy to. I basically said, you know, all the odds were stacked against you, right? From your race to your disability to where you were raised, out of family. Was there like a pivotal point in your life or a person in your life that inspired you or you were inspired by to say, listen, I can wallow in my challenges and the world's lack of support for me, or I can change my circumstance and make something of myself. When did that happen? How did that happen? Man, so it wasn't necessarily a moment of when it happened, but it's more so it was a gradual, it was a gradual increase of understanding what was going on around me and understanding uh, the gravity of my situation and just kind of saying, F it, you know, and just pushing forward and just uh, not really caring about what hap what comes next. You know, you got to live in that moment. 
And you got to just realize that not everybody's here for you, you know, even now in this world, not everybody's here supporting what I do. And you got, you got to learn how to be your own man, be your own person and like blind at your own pace and work at your own pace. Now, given my pace is I like to move very fast and very efficiently. And I've always been, I've always been like that, but there came a time where definitely like, as I got older, I realized that, okay, if, I, if something's going to happen, I have to make it happen. You know, somebody's nobody's gonna make it happen for me. Uh, things aren't just gonna happen overnight. You got, I just got to just ignore all the crap that was going in one ear and let it go out the other one. And so that's kind of where that's kind of my answer for that. Sign, I'd love to know how you how you choose your opportunities. For example, you're on America's Got Talent, right? Hundreds of millions of people probably know you from that. How did you choose to focus on wrestling, to focus on building your, your not just your upper body strength, but you know, Herculean upper body strength? How did you decide that your ticket to success, your ticket to a better life, was going to become this sort of elite extreme athlete where you ultimately competed on you know, hundreds of stages and arenas and, and, and rings? What was your decision-making process like that led you to that as your ticket out? I, I never really thought of it as my ticket out, honestly. I've been in the sport since I was five years old, man. So I, it's just been part of my life where I've just enjoyed every single moment of it. And even now, you know, I, the more training I get, the more, the more prep I get uh, for my even next fight that, that's going to be happening here in the possible four or five months. Uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really like, I never thought like, okay, yeah, this is my way out. This is my way out. My way out was just figuring out how to be happy, whether whatever the circumstances were. And that's how, I, that's how I was able to like be comfortable with it. You know, me becoming a professional athlete, that's just a blessing. That's just a plus. You know what I mean? But like for my way out, I didn't know what my way out was, but I was happy that I had a family and I was happy that I was getting to do what I love and that's all that really mattered. Zion, you write a lot in your book about the foster care system and what your experience was like. For those people, the vast majority of people that are listening to this podcast or watching it that have no, no concept for the foster care system, what would you like us to know? What do you think should be changed What's important for the world to know about how the foster care system works and doesn't work? Okay, well, the foster care system, I'm going to just be honest with you, it's a broken system throughout the entire country. Uh, I have worked with different organizations like All Star and a few other ones that I'm going to be actually heading back to to do more work with coming up here in the next month. Uh, but listen, the system all in all is completely broken. These kids aren't getting treated the way that they should be. They're not getting the type of care they need. Uh, a lot of kids, they uh, age out of the system and they become unemployed, they become homeless, or they get on drugs or they go to prison. And that's not what we are, that's not what we're raising these kids to grow up and be like. So I'm, what I'm doing is uh, starting, I'm trying to start my own uh, organizations. I'm trying to start my own programs that where I'm going to go to some of these foster organizations that do need help. And when I say organization that needs help, I'm talking about the organizations that aren't doing the right thing. You know, a lot, like I said, a lot of these kids, they're not getting the right type of treatment, the type of care they need. Uh, but let me, uh, let me throw All-Star in there for an example. They're doing it right. And they are, 
these kids, when I went and visited them, they felt comfortable with the people and the utilities and resources that were provided for them. And so I'm kind of taking a little page out of their book, uh, which was kind of already my plan originally, but they're the ones that have been executing it way ahead of time. And, uh, you know, we need to get the right things set up for these kids from schooling, if they want to go to school, to workforce jobs, if they want to go into the workforce, or if anything, you know, you want to have, you want regular life skills. Well, all these kids that grow up, they don't have any life skills because they weren't guided the right way and they turn to the streets and they turn to drugs and they turn to uh, violence and breaking the law. And people are like, well, if they like, well, if they just listen to the people around them, this or that, they would be, they'd still be outstanding people, but that's not how it works. You know, as a kid, you soak in your environment. And if the environment isn't suitable for these kids, then they're not going to come out the way that you think they are. And me, I feel like I'm an exception. I'm a fluke. You know, I have every reason. I've had every reason to just throw my entire life away and get in trouble, be in prison, uh, be on drugs, you know, be in the streets. And I chose not to. And my thing is, yeah, I was raised out. I was raised out in the streets a bit, man. You know, I got my homies and stuff, but... Here's the thing, I still was blessed with a family at the very end of it that wanted to speak life and wanted to uh, raise me to be an upstanding man. And so what's broken with the system is that we don't have enough people that look at kids the way that my mother looks at kids, the way that certain families look at children where they see the light that's in them and they try to cultivate it and turn it into something amazing. So I'm trying to bring the systems back to where we can build and where we can put together a formula to where these kids, they can grow up happy, healthy. And by the time they're grown adults, they have a stable mindset to go do amazing things in this world. Zion, you have a tattoo on your back that reads, never give up. And at first blush, that makes sense to everyone. Would you maybe be a bit vulnerable and talk about a time when you were tempted to give up? When, when the odds were stacked against you, when you felt like you weren't going to be able to triumph, but yet you channeled that quote, never give up on your back, that might inspire people who are facing their own challenge right now that are close to throwing in the towel. Uh, wrestling is a perfect example. You know, when I was in high school, man, I lost over 200 times before I, before I won. And so, like, I remember I was wrestling this match. It was uh, called this tournament called the J.C. Gorman Invitational. And it was like, it was some of the best, it was some of the best wrestlers around the state of Ohio, a couple of nationally ranked, uh, ranked cats. And I remember I was in the quarterfinals uh, to try to get to the semi. I was in the quarterfinals to get to the semifinals. And this guy, we were just having just the battle of my career at that point. And... You know, I I just remember, I remember, I just uh, partially dislocated my shoulder. I had torn some muscles in my chest. You know, I had just, I had just messed up my entire left hand. And I wanted, I didn't know if I could win. The guy just took me down and like, I'm sitting there at the edge of the mat, a little bloody, like sitting there, like really feeling defeated. And, uh, you know, I, my coach came up to me and we had a little conversation. And I, next thing you know, I stood up, walked back out there, the overtime, and uh, executed. 
And next thing you know, I got my hand raised and I ended up in the finals. It's a great story. I can visualize it. Zion, I'd like you to give, my, give me some advice as a parent. Most of our viewers and listeners know that my wife and I, Stephanie, live here in Utah, and we are parents to three young boys, 9, 11, and 13. And I'd like for you to give me some advice. Uh, we obviously live an able-bodied life. Fortunately, all of our children have all of their arms and legs and are very healthy. And when they see someone with a physical disability, or perhaps they see someone that has a prosthetic, or someone who's in a wheelchair, or perhaps someone that you know, has a different visual body than they do. As a parent, I want to make sure that our children are respectful, that they're inquisitive, that they show good manners, that they learn to appreciate and value everybody the same, but they also take away lessons that make them grateful for what they have, but also contribute back to society. When you see someone in an airport or a restaurant and you know that they either recognize you or they're interested in the fact that you're in a wheelchair with no legs, would you give the rest of the world just some, some brotherly advice on how you like to be approached? Do people ask you about your journey? Is that a violation of your privacy? What would you say to that, to all the parents that are trying to do the right thing and make sure that their children's or their even own curiosity is done in a way that's respectful to you but educates them? Uh, for an adult, uh, you know, you know, you know how to respect. For adults, like it's obvious on how you respect somebody. You know, if you want to come say hi, come say hi. It's normal as that. Uh, as a kid, for your kids, you know, teach them that their people are different. You know, show, make sure that they understand that. Like, just because I'm different doesn't mean that they're better than me or I'm better than them. At the end of the day, we're all people, and that's what I try to get across. And like, uh, you know. If you're an adult and you come up and you are somewhat unintelligent, I would say I uh, let you know about that and I will respectfully call you stupid. Uh, and then, you know, I aside from that, if you're a kid and you don't and you ask questions that are really insensitive, uh, as a kid, I will sit down there and talk to you. You know what I mean? I will. I, I can tolerate that. You know, kids are they're innocent. They're pure. You know, so I don't mind sitting there talking to a child and being like, hey, that might, that's like, this is how you say this or something like that. And then I make sure if their parents are around and be like, showing them how my, my response, even though their kids yeah. are coming at me a little sideways, uh, that me on my part, I have the ability as a grown man myself to go speak life into somebody else, uh, especially in those situations. I like your answer. But you can use all- it as a teaching moment for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing it gets tiring. I guess there are times when you'd like to be left alone and you wish that the parents or the children, whoever, had maybe thought through their approach a little bit more deliberately. I mean, me, man, there's, there is 8 billion people or probably more than that now on this planet. I don't really care, honestly, what, how people want to approach me. I am kind of stopped at I I have like I have been around the block, man. I've been around the planet a few times, you know. I've seen all types of people, all types of kids. And my thing is, I don't really care uh, if I'm if you really want my honest opinion. I don't really care, you know. I am living my life, and I am working hard to change 
the lives of kids, and I'm working hard to be the most dangerous athlete on the planet. And if you want to come speak to me, I will always indulge conversation. But at the end of the day, if you're purposely like coming out your way to try to tell me something ignorant or something like that, yeah. I just don't care, and yeah. I just keep pushing. Well said. Uh, so like that that that's just me. Zion, your book is Work With What You Got. I'd like to end our conversation today on the following topic. I, I firmly believe that the key to happiness in life is gratitude. Being grateful for what you have, grateful for what you don't have, grateful for what maybe you had and lost and now better appreciate it. What advice would you give to all of our listeners and viewers that are struggling to find gratitude in their life that connects to happiness you obviously have been dealt a much more difficult hand in life than the vast majority of the 8 billion people on the planet, and you've made amazing progress, and you've become this inspiring force for millions of people. What's been kind of your guiding principle that you want to remind everybody of in life? I mean, when it comes to gratitude and being grateful, you can be grateful literally about anything. For me personally, I'm grateful that I'm able to take a breath out of my lungs every morning. You know, not everybody gets the chance to wake up every day. You know, uh, and that's just the world we live in. That's, that's the law of nature. So while we're still here, be grateful. Learn how to be, find happiness in just that first breath. Because with every breath you take, that's another opportunity for you to go and attempt to do something amazing. Zion, what's next for you? What's on your horizon? Other than San uh, Diego. <laughs> I'm about to get some traveling in and um, about to go around and do some speeches around the planet. And then top of that, I'm preparing for my next fight, which I can't tell, talk too much about. Uh, but just be on the lookout because uh, somebody's about to get their ass kicked again. So, like, there's, there's that. <laughs> Zion Clark, thanks for your time today. Your book is Work With What You Got. We appreciate you joining us today and for our audience. Absolutely. Thank you, man. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. 